This archival program of Design Matters with Debbie Millman was produced for Voice America Internet Radio. New programs with better audio quality are now being produced for Design Observer. You can subscribe in the iTunes Store or at the Observer Media Channel on Design Observer. Welcome to Design Matters with Debbie Millman, the show that takes you inside the provocative and stimulating world of design and branding as it intersects with contemporary culture. Here's your host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. I've been feeling rather ashamed of myself this week. It is quite a peculiar feeling to be in a nearly constant state of shame, but all this week I have been in Milton Glaser's summer program at the School of Visual Arts. And in this time, I've been confronting all of the daily lies I live with in my daily life, and frankly, there are not always noble reasons for doing the things that I do. I've learned a lot about myself and my relationship to the world this week. I've learned the less capable you are of surviving, the less options you have. And as a person who has managed to survive quite a lot, I see that I limit my options with my own fear. I also learned that I often get stuck in the same place in my work at the beginning of something. This is a wall I need to penetrate, but I have stayed longer in this area because it is so comfortable. I also often get very pessimistic at the start of something new. I'm not quite sure why yet, but I do know that this is preventing me from growing and that I am the only one capable of making any changes to this dynamic. Afraid to start something new leads me to be stuck in a groove and really no longer interested in any new process or experience other than to repeat what has been successful before, kind of like a Cindy Sherman photograph, kind of predictable. On my website, I asked the question, what would you do if you weren't afraid? Would you quit your job? Would you start a rock band? Would you write a novel? Would you start your own company? Would you travel around the world? Would you call your mother? Would you say you were sorry? Would you say I love you? I've been asking myself these kinds of things these last few days, and while I don't have any definitive answers right at this moment in time, I do have some guidelines that I'm considering for ultimately articulating my answer. I am calling them Debbie's Guide to My Own Personal Happiness. Here we go. Number one, try not to brag about things that you do simply to convince yourself that you're worthy. Number two, wearing makeup will only make you feel prettier until you have to take it off. Same for pretty clothes. How you feel about yourself cannot be repaired by how you look. Number three, pride is different than hubris. Know the difference. Number four, assume that change will not kill you. Number five, having some money in the bank will not give you courage. Courage begets courage. Number six, freedom is not another word for nothing left to lose. Freedom is knowing what you want to lose. Number seven, people are like plants. They need a lot of water. Number eight, being right is not as important as knowing when you're wrong. Admit it. Number nine, when you have nothing to say, it is better that you keep your mouth shut and listen. And my most profound realization, number ten, true love is not only about unconditional acceptance. True love is also about true love. It also helps if you assume that love is a good thing. Ultimately, I don't really think I'm searching for love or happiness or the answer to how we got here and why. I think what I'm searching for is some semblance of authenticity. 
I think with authenticity, all of those other wonderful things come more organically. So now I'm asking myself, and I'm asking those around me with intense curiosity, what nourishes you? What do you do with your intuition? How can we make a real difference, a real contribution to our friends, our families, our colleagues, our loved ones, and the world? Any questions for a hot and sticky Friday afternoon, but long overdue, and I think, well worth the effort. Joining me today to help answer some of these questions and perhaps raise a few new ones is none other than Stefan Sagmeister. Let me tell you a little bit about him, and then we'll dive right in. He's looking very handsome today, I must say. When Stefan Sagmeister was invited to design the poster for an AIGA lecture he was giving on the campus at Cranbrook near Detroit, he asked his assistant to carve the details onto his torso with an X-Acto knife and photograph the result. Sunning himself on a beach the following summer, Sagmeister noticed traces of the poster text rising in pink as his flesh tanned. Now a graphic icon of the 90s, that 1999 AIGA Detroit poster typifies Stefan's style. Striking to a point of sensationalism and humorous, but in such an unsettling way that it's nearly, but not quite, unacceptable, his work mixes sexuality and sensuality with wit and a whiff of the sinister. Sagmeister's technique is often simple and the point to the point of banality from slashing DIY text into his own skin for the AIGA Detroit poster to spelling out words with roughly cut strips of white cloth for a 1999 brochure for fashion designer Annie Kwan. The strength of his work lies in his ability to conceptualize, to come up with potent, original, and stunningly appropriate ideas. He is a hero, he is a superstar, and he is a very, very lovely man. Welcome, Stefan. <laughs> How could I ever, ever fulfill this? Well, uh, I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. Thank you. It's great to have you here. Um, I just watched Hillman Curtis's marvelous film about you, the film that he created for Adobe. And um, in that film, you say that when it comes to structure, you start with the hard things first and finish with the easy things. And I can't imagine what you would consider to be hard. What is hard for you? Uh, thinking, mostly. Mm, everything that's at the beginning of the, the project that sort of like wants me to procrastinate, if I get the word out. Uh, but mostly thinking. I think that everything else that somehow, and I assume they're talking about design here, not about life. Mm, let's talk about life today. We can talk about both. How's <laughs> that? Well, I guess. It probably would be true for both, but it's for sure in design, I think the most difficult thing for me is actual thinking. So that I always want to naturally want to delay as much as I can. So instead, when I realize this, I do it first in the day. And I also found that I actually my thinking is a little bit better early in the morning than the brain is still unfried than later in the evening. What do you do when you wake up? What's the first thing you do? Well, it's just like, you know. That's around? All the things <laughs> what you would think uh, uh, you would do. I can tell you what I don't do anymore. Like, I used to email first thing. I think that's really crap. Uh, Why? Because uh, the worst mornings that I, that I remember are the ones where I looked at emails without responding to them. So I sort of like I went through emails, I sort of like to check who 
emailed me through the night, which in my case is quite a bit because we have a lot of contacts with Asia and Europe, so there is always a full inbox in the morning. Uh, and immediately you kind of like have this beeping sensation in your brain and your whole brain is full of stuff that you're supposed to do and you haven't done any any of it. So now I try to do everything that needs an idea or everything that needs a concept, everything that's really difficult, to do it in the morning and do email for the first time at 12 or at 1. And I find that when I do it that late, I'm really eager to see who actually emailed me, and it's also much easier then to re- you know, reply to them one after the other. So mm-hmm. by, you know, and do that only once a day. Oh, that's a, you only do it once a day. Yeah. Was yeah. that different when you were looking at it in the morning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the worst is if you sort of like if I have that inbox open the whole day, and every half an hour, as we quarter of an hour, I check the two or three or five new emails that came in that day. I think your whole day, or at least in my case, my whole day is wasted. You know, it's sort of like you're constantly uh, reacting. I think that's the thing. You're constantly reacting and not creating anything. It's sort of like you're just sort of throwing balls back to people. Mm-hmm. And I find these days when I succumb to that very busy and very unsatisfying. Do you feel that the more well-known you've gotten, the more the less of yourself you have? How do you, how do you define boundaries between your fame and your inner life? Well, you know, you're talking here about, you're not talking about actual fame. You're talking about, you know, well-known within the graphic design. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> My mother doesn't know who you are. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, My brothers do, though. <laughs> Let me tell you, like, <laughs> I don't have publicists. <laughs> Uh, but you must have many, many people calling you, asking you to help them, asking you to somehow, in some way, touch their lives. How do you deal with all of that? Well, at the moment, I still, you know, I answer it all. I do get a lot of mails by people that I do not know, asking a question, or asking for a favor, wanting this or that. Uh, it takes up a, you know, a serious block, but it's, it's fine. Like mm-hmm. in general, I'd say that the graphic design kind of fame is actually one of the best kinds of fame you could possibly have. Because Why? it's, by and large, I can switch it on and switch it off. If I go to a design conference, I'm well known. But outside of these events, and if I, you know, if they go my nerves, I don't have to go. You know, I am fairly anonymous. Uh, mm-hmm. While, you know, we've had many, many clients who have actual fame. And some of these very famous people enjoy it, and some others really hate it, truly hate it, to the point where their life really became miserable. Uh, For example? And, well, I know that a good number of our rock stars basically can't go on the street. Uh, it is impossible for Mick Jagger to walk the streets. It's not possible for him because you know that's too, he wouldn't go. He wouldn't get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
The same is actually the case, or similar is the case for, you know, Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. But he loves it, so it's no problem for him. You know, like, he can give autographs for the rest of his life and be happy. What's it, is there something inherently different about people that are rock stars or extremely famous in that way? Do you find that their soul is somehow different or their idea of being alive is different than somebody that's not famous? Well, I was surprised to find that most people that I've met, almost all that I've met that are famous, are actually famous for, for a reason. Most of them are really, really good at what they what they do you know I couldn't believe how much better as a purely as musicians like when you hear any of these bands in a rehearsal space how good they really are I was surprised I thought there was much more manufacturing involved much more you know record company producing involved and that many of these stars you know these all of you know really and all that stuff are actually idiots who are pushed by record companies mm-hmm. uh, my experience has been that Record companies tend to push really good people because they need less less pushing. They don't want to push. Now, what what provoked Lou Reed to call you to do his work or what provoked the Rolling Stones or Aerosmith to call you? How did they know about your work? We, you know what? I'm not even paying attention to my monitor here, and we have to go to a commercial break. That's the first time that's ever happened. I'm so enthralled. Um, I'd like to let everyone know they're listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman on Voice America Business. I'm Debbie Millman, and my guest today is the marvelous Stefan Sagmeister. We'll be right back with our broadcast after these messages. Please don't go away. You're listening to The Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. Technology is only as good as its execution. On CIO Talk Radio, host Sung Jo Gall will interview CIOs, CTOs, and other decision makers about their insights in dealing with technology. Learn directly from these subject matter experts on how to get the best returns out of your investment in IT. Know ahead of time what problems and challenges you face in executing IT strategies in the real world. If you are a technology manager, consultant, or advisor, you cannot afford to miss out on what today's technology thought leaders have to say about today's most urgent IT issues. Listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sung Jogal every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. You hear business show after business show all geared towards improving a company's bottom line. But what about your bottom line? How come no one ever talks about that? Finally, a show dedicated to the worker. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, the work wonk. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, the Crow Show is aimed specifically at the worker and their environment. From work skills and technology to dealing with bosses and coworkers, The Crow Show will give you insight on how to survive and prosper in today's workplace. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, the work wonk. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, businessamericaradio.com. 
Think you've got a grip on the profit potential your property has? Tune in to VoiceAmerica.com Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Commercial Real Estate 101 with Dennis Manning. Dennis will teach you the ins and outs of the massive world of real estate. You will learn the rewards and pitfalls of why to invest in commercial real estate. You'll also hear from experts in property management, lending, title work, tax-deferred exchanges, legal issues, and many entrepreneurial investors. The best part? You'll learn to generate a regular income that will lead to enticing capital gains. So don't miss one moment of Commercial Real Estate 101 with Dennis Manning. Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business. Welcome back to Design Matters with Debbie Millman. If you would like to be a caller on the show, dial toll-free at 1-866-233-7861. Once again, that's 1-866-233-7861. And now back to the host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. Welcome back. It is 319 Eastern Time, and you are listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman, live from the Empire State Building in New York City. I am your host, Debbie Millman, and my guest today is the lovely Stefan Sagmeister. If you'd like to join our conversation, if you have a question for Stefan, please call 1-866-233-7861. And before the break, we were talking a little bit about design and fame. Um, and I actually want to talk a little bit with you, Stefan, about a quote that I found in your book, Sagmeister Made You Look. And listeners, if you don't have this book, you must, must run and get it. You say, art fucks design and vice versa. So what's that about? Well, there is always like this little, uh, well, there's a lot has been written about the two converging or that there is that uh, the border blurs. And while this has been true for certain little pieces of time, you know, it's been true probably in 19... in Vienna and probably in the 20s in Germany in the Bauhaus, they are the main practitioners that there's no difference. Design and art is the same. In reality, at the moment, they are obviously not the same. You know, the art world is very different from the design world. I myself am very happy remaining a designer. Uh, There was an exhibit uh, not so long ago at the Cooper Hewitt here in New York called Art Unequals Design. And I think the organizers were so afraid that the designers are going to fuck the artists or vice versa that at the symposium that went with the, that was connected with the exhibit, they had all the artists speak in the morning and all the designers (laughs) speak in the afternoon. (laughs) So there could not have been any interaction whatsoever. In general, I just think that for all the lip service that you read in all the in all the mainstream papers, how the two influence each other, which of course is also the ca- is all true in the case in real life and on an everyday basis, that the two are very different, and uh, the worlds are very different. And I find myself very much in a design world. And it's funny because I think um, you know, having just participated in Milton's class, he he feels very very similarly. I actually don't 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 agree. I feel that. If design is good, it's art. It is 
as important and as necessary and as and as recognizable to me as art as any piece of art. If design is bad, then it's shit. But ultimately, I think if design is breathtaking, breakthrough, innovative, effective, successful, professional, it reaches a place in my mind that is equivalent to art. Well, you know, there's a, a great uh, a great and lovely explanation uh, by Brian Eno, the mm-hmm. electronic musician, yeah. who is also very, you know, uh, involved in the art world. And he says that instead of looking at a piece of art as an object, it might be much more helpful to look at it as a experience and to mm. decide to say, okay, in front of this, do I have an art experience or don't I? Right. And that's also a whole lot of problems because then we don't have to discuss anymore is whatever, photography art or right. performance art or is this piece of glass art? But we can just say for ourselves, uh, is this, do I have an art experience when I look at this or don't I? Right. And, you know, I would agree, I would agree with that. Yeah, so, I would too. Uh, for pieces that other people have done, I mean, I can look at a at an iPod shuffle mm-hmm. and say, this thing has been designed as well as it possibly could be. Mm-hmm. And the sensation I have handling it and looking at it is an art experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't... It probably is at MoMA. I'm not sure. I'm not, you know. I'm sure Paula is going to put it in there, yeah. Uh, But it's, so I would probably agree with uh, with Mr. Eno's uh, statement, yeah. Uh, At the same time, I also saw a good, uh, a good quote by Donald Schott, the minimalist artist, Mm -hmm. who did quite a bit of design, who said, uh, design has to work, art does not. Which I think is, uh, it's a pretty good one. I think it has to, design has to work on a, on a functional level. I think that for me it's more, I, I don't know if, it, if the question I would ask is, am I having an art experience? For me it would be, am I, is this transforming me in some way? Is it transforming my world? Is it transforming my heart? Is it transforming my, my experience of life? Is it changing me from one moment to the next? Does it, does it challenge me in a way that I haven't been challenged before? The first time I'm looking at a, a postcard that the AIGA sent in, I don't know, it must have been 98, 97, something like that, things to do before I die. And it was a postcard that I got, and it was sent in the mail, and it still has the postmark on it, and it has a bunch of tape marks on it. And when I got this, I gasped. And it has been on my wall ever since. And this is Things to Do Before I Die by Stefan Sackmeister. Open and run a design studio in New York. Check. Have sex with two women. Check. We'll have to talk about that after the next break. Keep uh, close contact with mom in Austria. Check. Find a great girlfriend. It was an X there, so I'm assuming that's check. Work a year or two without clients. Design experiments only. This is not checked, but it is, could be checked now. Checked now. <laughs> Drive a truck through, through Siberia. No check. Move to Sri Lanka. I know you want to do that. And touch somebody's heart with graphic design. Well, that I could check because it's true for me. This, to me, is a piece of art. 
This is a beautiful piece of art. This is not a, a piece of only design. It's both. It's design and art. And if something can be design and art, I think it makes it even that much more powerful than if it were just one or the other. If you can transcend the place where it has to be one or the other, where it's simply functioning as a piece of art or a piece of design, but can do both, I think that's when the people that make a difference rise and change our lives, personally. My humble opinion. <laughs> um, I, I found a paragraph in your book that appears to have been taken from a, a romance novel. Um, do you often place hidden jokes in your work for those who are paying attention? Uh, well, I'm, I assume what you're alluding at uh, was just a little joke, and it's uh, actually Peter Hall mm-hmm. came up with it. Oh, he did. And we just sort of like here and there pretended that, you know, our book was printing next to a porn novel, and the galleys for both were sometimes mixed up here and there. Uh, also, as a little indicator for us, if people actually were reading the text and paying attention, mm-hmm. turned out that they were really, yeah, a lot of people really yeah. doing that. I got many, many mails asking about these little inserts. Yeah. So uh, people were paying attention. Stefan, so. um, we have a caller on the line. We have Monica from New York. Monica, welcome to Design Matters. Bye. Monica? Maybe Monica has us on speakerphone because I can hear something out there, but she's not. Okay, back to my questions. Um, I read an interview online, Stephen, where you say, who gives a shit if it sells? Do you still feel that way? How important is something being commercially successful important to you? Oh, I don't remember ever saying that. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'll have to find it for you. I have all my research right here. My oh, Jen, my researcher, was she's she's yeah. real good about this stuff. Yeah. But um, because like uh, so, you know, go a little bit into this. I think if I do a product for a client that's supposed to be sell, mm-hmm. that's supposed to sell, and uh, I take that on as a job, mm-hmm. meaning then I also you know hopefully look at this. Is it actually worthwhile this product? Do I think that this product should be sold? Mm-hmm. But once I answer those questions positively, I am I am very much of the opinion that we should do things that do sell. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I wouldn't agree with that at all. Okay. Should, yeah, I w- I'm uh, curious about yeah. that. Apparently, our, our Monica is back. Monica from New York, are you there? Hi. Hi, Monica. Do you have a question for Stefan? Yes. Okay. Um, the question is, as a designer in New York... Um, I'm just wondering because it's so hard to be able to work on things that you like and at the same time be able to make money um, and be able to survive in New York. I'm wondering how is it that you survive? And also I heard that you took like a whole year off Mm -hmm. to go explore yourself or something. Mm -hmm. So I'm just wondering how are you able to survive living in New York and being able to do all those things? Well, uh, Monica, it, uh, we do a mixture of things. Uh, we have, in the studio, it's about four different directions. So a quarter of all the work is uh, music-related. Another quarter is social things, things that I, uh, you know, groups that I think could benefit from better design. Uh, another thing is art-related, so we 
That means that we do we design for museums and galleries and such. And the last part is uh, regular corporate uh, work. And you know, in many cases, some of the corporate work, you know, tends to pay more than uh, some of the you know music work. So there's it's a mixture of things. Uh, I know that my old boss, Steve Kalman, had a little what he called a Robin Hood approach to sort of like take from the rich clients and give it to the poor clients. Uh, with, us, with us, it's a little bit more even. Uh, but, you know, sometimes we have to take on jobs that, you know, pay bills. Still do. So that's, uh, that's basically it. Uh, and I know that many, many designers do it that way. Uh, and the, the year that I took off was really, you know, planned and basically conducted also through do design experiments. So it was not really to find myself. Uh, it had little, well, I mean, yeah, it had less to do with me and much, 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 much more to do with design. And I do think that that actually turned out to be also a good investment for our clients because we, you know, there were ideas developed, directions developed uh, that we applied in the meantime now that the studio is open again since four years for, you know, regular business, and a good number of the ideas that came up in that year uh, are, you know, we can use now. But, you know, I've been doing this also for a long time. Uh, I just discovered that I've been doing this almost for 20 years. So, you know, and there's the, I always kept the studio very, very small. So even when we had many, many more clients, uh, I didn't grow. So that's... Uh, allowed us to keep our overhead small, so we also don't, you know, need all that much. You know, and as far as money is concerned, uh, my tastes are not all that exclusive or expensive. I never really like, you know, fancy cars. I don't have to fly first class. Uh, so it's, you know, it's fine. Well, Monica, thank you for calling. Um, we have to take a commercial break, so I'd like to let everyone know that they're listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman on Voice America Business. I am Debbie Millman, and my guest today is the marvelous Stefan Sadmeister. We will be right back with our broadcast after these messages, so please don't go away. When business is in your blood and you need answers, get connected. Call 1-866-233-7861. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business. Business talk is all we do. Voice America Business at voiceamerica.com. Tune in to Big Money with Mike Gaysher every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time 
Mike will focus on the issues, needs, and problems affecting the world's largest investors. Join Mike and his guest from the institution investors industry as they discuss investing and controlling your money. Mike has spent his entire adult life in close proximity with the financial markets and has become one of the world's most sought-after teacher and speaker on topics of the securities, markets, and the economy. Author of eight books on the security markets and a monthly newsletter read by over 250,000 people, Mike brings insights, humor, and clarity to this often secretive community. So tune in every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Big Money with Mike Geisher on business.voiceamerica.com. Are your accounts stuck in bumper-to-bumper traffic? Are your finances flowing at two miles an hour? It's time to crank your cash into high gear by tuning in to Making Sense of Financial Nonsense with Bullseye Bruce Horowitz. Every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time, Bullseye Bruce will give you no-nonsense, common-sense financial advice that anyone can understand, as well as bring you clarity on some of the most complex and confusing financial issues today. So get out of that traffic jam and listen to Making Sense of Financial Nonsense every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. The bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. We're back with Design Matters with Debbie Millman. If you have a question for Debbie, feel free to call us at 1-866-233-7861. Once again, here's the host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. Broadcasting live from the Empire State Building in New York City, you are listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman, the only talk radio show on the Internet focusing on design, branding, and culture. I am Debbie Millman, your host, and my guest today is Stefan Sagmeister. And uh, before our break, we had a caller who was asking Stefan about survival despite uh, taking a year off. And I'd like to talk a little bit with you about one of the projects that you did during your year off. And one of the pieces that you did when you took the time uh, is a text piece. I guess I could say it's a conceptual piece, but when I mentioned conceptual art to Milton this week, he said, what art isn't conceptual, um, which stumped me. Um, <laughs> And your piece says, having guts always works out for me. And I was wondering if there was ever a time in your life when you feel like you didn't have guts. Oh, happens to me all the time. I mean, on many, many days till now, I don't have guts. That's one of the more surprising things about this. I mean, basically this comes out of a series. I did an exercise like you, but I've actually, in that year off, or uh, that I wrote down a list of things uh, that I've learned in my life so far. Mm-hmm. And this was one of them. And I've known this for a long time. Basically, every time I have cut, it really turns out good. And even though this happened to me over and over and over again, especially it doesn't mean that now I have cuts all the time. Didn't somehow this didn't seep into <laughs> my DNA. Right. Did uh, you have a guts button, and once it's on, uh, it's on forever. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, sadly. Uh, uh, and I, I realized that early, and, uh, yeah, I still can go for phase, you know, sort of like being in some sort of timid mood, not doing anything. Uh, and then, you know, here and there, uh, 
I overcome it, and again, it turns out it turns out very well. Was there a time in your life where you felt like you were living more out of lack of guts than guts, or have they just been sort of intermittent periods in your life where you felt more tibbin than other times? Was there anything that transformed you from feeling less fear to, to feeling less fearful in general? Yeah, I think so. I think that uh, when I was. 14 or 15, I went to a very terrible engineering school in my hometown in Bregenz where I was fairly unhappy. And then my uh, older sister sort of like helped me to talk my parents into letting me out of that engineering school and back into regular high school. Mm-hmm. And there was right at that switch also where I became somewhat interested in design and in the new high school where I was getting much better along, not just with the teachers, but also with the students. I also joined sort of like a, a little political youth newspaper, uh-huh. and there I discovered that I actually enjoyed drawing the headlines much better than writing them. Oh, that's what happened to me in, in college when yeah. I worked on the school newspaper. <laughs> Same thing. I didn't care if people wrote 10,000-word articles because they'd have more pages to design if I had a longer text. <laughs> Same deal. I also was in bands, so I, I again had sort of like the, the little, you know, interest in in album covers. So it definitely was around that time that I became became interested, and also, if you can call it that, practicing design. Mm-hmm. Uh, that there was definitely a switch, and I think I became gutsier there because I started to be good at something. I found that. Uh, that to be good at something is a, a nice thing for any human being to be. Mm-hmm. Now, you said you were in a rock band when you were in high school? Terrible. Terrible. So is that why you didn't pursue it? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, I recently heard that you are superstitious. Is that true? I used to be superstitious. Okay. Yes. Uh, I, uh, in many ways, got... Uh, See, this one through experience, uh, many of my superstitions turned out to be not true, and there I really could change my opinion on it. Okay. And uh, so many of them, yeah, turned out to be without any roots in reality, so I'm, I'm much less superstitious now. What kinds of things were you superstitious of? Well, I think I mentioned a story the other day where, you know, I would look out the airplane and decide if the first thing I see when upon landing is a good thing, I'll have a great time on this holiday. And you don't do that anymore? I do not. Really? I'm going to have a great time at this holiday anyway. See, I do that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. If this happens before this happens, then this is going to be great. And if it doesn't happen, then I'm doomed. Now, of course, if, I'm, if, if the thing that comes out that I'm doomed, I forget about that. But if it's good, then I think, oh, this is going to be good, and it's it with me all the time. I constantly do that. Um, how would you define love? Oh, my God. <laughs> Somewhere out there in cyberspace, I hear John Fulbrick laughing. <laughs> I have no clue. Oh. Uh, Ask me again at the end. Okay, then, absolutely. 
Um, I'm sorry. I'm just going to load up on the tough questions, get them all out of the way. <laughs> do you believe in God? Uh, I do not. Tell me why. I think it has a lot to do with me uh, attending more and more uh, scientific conferences. Oh, really? Like, like, what kind of scientific conferences? Well, I've been at one recently organized by MIT called IM2, which was about the visualization of science. Uh, I've been at, uh, I went to TED many times, mm-hmm. TED, that's TED, yeah. Technology Education and uh, Design. And it seems to me that many of the things that religion, I grew up Catholic, I was an altar boy for years, uh, that religion always has an an explanation of, and then we're basically dragged into reality by science because it was just, you know, from the earth being flat, so it's, you know, going around the sun and so on. It basically was always this, uh, disproven by the newest, by the, uh, by the newest information we got out of science. Uh, that is not to say that I think that Religion, in many ways, can give humans a direction on how to live their life, and it has very is a very valuable tool in that case, in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it goes in the other direction as well. You know, I mean, if we look at the, the current conflict, which in many ways I think is a purely religious one. You know, both from you know from the Middle Eastern point of view, I mean, obviously, you know, if uh, if Allah wouldn't tell all these people that they are on the right path, we wouldn't have many of the problems in London at the moment, we wouldn't have had 9-11 and so forth. And in the same case, uh, I am completely convinced that the reason our current president here is such an uncurious person Mm-hmm. And is so completely convinced that he is on the right path is because God tells him so, or he thinks that God tells him so. So, uh, I guess it depends on how you take it. Me myself, uh, am, I think, a more pragmatic person, and uh, so I have to say, no, I do not. You do not. Yeah. It's really interesting because I think that we're living in a time now where people need to believe in something bigger than themselves to feel that we're here for a reason or our lives have purpose or what we do has some sort of meaning or depth and that we're connected to other people in some fundamental way. And and I find it so interesting um, to think that somewhere out there, wherever, in the you know eighty billion universes that exist with all of the eight billion stars in each of those eighty billion universes that somebody's out there thinking, well, if the elevator door opens before the video screen changes, Debbie's gonna have a good afternoon. I find that really difficult to believe. But in any case we have to go to a commercial break. So I'd like to let our listeners know that this is Design Matters with Debbie Millman on Voice America Business. I am Debbie Millman and my guest today is Stefan Sagmeister. We will be right back with our broadcast and a couple of callers that are waiting to speak with Stefan after these messages. Please don't go away. 
More and more people are starting their day with informative, focused business talk. Top experts. Today's business issues. Voice America Business at voiceamerica.com. What stock should I buy? When is it time to sell? Where do I turn for honest advice on my portfolio? For the answers to these questions, tune in to Trading in Today's Markets with Oliver Alvarez and Greg Capra every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. On the show, Oliver, Greg, and their guests will discuss the daily going-ons of Wall Street as well as give you tips on how to identify the hottest sectors and trends in the market. Improve your portfolio. Listen to Trading in Today's Markets with Oliver Alvarez and Greg Capra. Broadcast live on Business America Radio every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Business talk is all we do. Voice America Business at voiceamerica.com. Are your accounts stuck in bumper-to-bumper traffic? Are your finances flowing at two miles an hour? It's time to crank your cash into high gear by tuning in to Making Sense of Financial Nonsense with Bullseye Bruce Horowitz. Every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time, Bullseye Bruce will give you no-nonsense, common-sense financial advice that anyone can understand, as well as bring you clarity on some of the most complex and confusing financial issues today. So get out of that traffic jam and listen to Making Sense of Financial Nonsense every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit, and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and The Growth Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk. Voice America Business. Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business. Welcome back to Design Matters with Debbie Millman. If you would like to be a caller on the show, dial toll-free at 1-866-233-7861. Once again, that's 1-866-233-7861. And now, back to the host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. Welcome back. It is 3.49 Eastern Time, and you are listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman, live from the Empire State Building in New York City. I am your host, Debbie Millman, and my guest today is the very lovely Stefan Sagmeister, and we have a caller who's been very patiently waiting on the line, Richard from New York. Welcome to Design Matters. Hello. Thank you very much. Uh, I actually have a question that goes back to previous in the conversation when you talked about whether you didn't have any guts or you know, having to have guts in design. And my question is, have you ever had a time when you thought you went too far, when you had guts and it didn't work out for one reason or another? Hmm. Well, I think that I went, uh, 
I definitely had cases in design where I thought that I went too far. I'm not sure if they were guts related. Like I can give you an example. We did a, a CD cover once for a band, for a metal, speed metal band called Propane, where we put a wonderful, wonderful photo by Jeffrey Silverthorne on the cover, which was a woman, it was a photo of a woman in the morgue, a very beautiful woman that uh, had a Y-cut, Y-cut being the cut that everybody gets, you know, in an autopsy, where you are cut open very crudely and then put sort of, uh, in a Y-shape and then uh, sewed up, stitched up again. The photo I still think of as one of the best photos of the 20th century, but I would not use it for a CD cover again. We were unsure about it even when we did it, so we put a phone number at the time in there and to, to allow for some reactions, and we got calls from people. Like, I expected, of course, people, you know, I don't know, I expected some people being upset about it. But I didn't expect what kind of people would love it, meaning that we had, you know, some callers that said, hey, man, you know, that cut-up chick was really cool, man. Uh, so what happened, I think, was that the audience wasn't really ready for this kind of photography. And so in this case, I definitely think we went too far, and I would not, I would think that was a mistake, and I wouldn't do it again. But... Putting that on the, putting that photo on the cover didn't really require any guts. Does that answer your question? Which I are guess. you still there? <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe we lost him. I probably um, bored him out of his house. <laughs> Well, I, I I can tell you that it did indeed answer his question. Um, speaking of questions, um, we have a mutual friend in common, uh, Marion Banchese, the wonderful designer and artist and illustrator and type designer and muse, and she um, was very disappointed that she wasn't going to be able to listen to today's show um, live because I think she's teaching. So she, she asked me, well, she didn't actually ask me to ask you this question, but she sent it to me as the question she would have asked had she been listening live. So, Marion, sorry if I'm preempting you, but I will ask this question for you. Um, it says, you and Matthias both always sound so happy. Um, you have this happy, excited lilt to your voices, which is a pleasure to hear. Is it something to do with the Austrian accent, or are you both just really happy, excited people? Well, it can't have anything to do with the Austrian accent because Matthias is German, so that's... Uh. Uh, <laughs> but I'd say overall, you're probably more positive people than negative. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that would be the case for myself. That's definitely the case for any, for my girlfriend. That, uh, you know, and I am sure that, you know, when after that client for a year and I looked for a designer, that, of course, also uh, played a role in Matthias standing out of the many designers that I that I saw, that he seems to be a fairly content kind of personality. Mm-hmm. And obviously in a small design group, uh, you would want to hire somebody 
that you would want to spend some serious time with. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that having been said, I mean, you know, we're not, you know, you know, jumping with joy all day long. I actually, <laughs> before I came here... <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> You'd be intolerable. <laughs> no, just literally before I came here, I was actually in a fairly, I wouldn't say a terrible mood, but, but not such a great mood. Mm. Uh, Why? Well, there was a lot of traffic. Then, uh, actually, it was one of those things that I can't quite put my finger on because I had a good client meeting today. Uh, that, you know, they loved everything we did and uh, had great things to say about it. Can you tell us who the client is? Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, they are called One Voice. They are a group situated in Palestine and in Israel, and they conduct gigantic surveys among Israelis and Palestinians, figuring out what, an individual would be willing to give up for peace. And then they take these results and go to the respective government. Wow. So they're a great group. Uh, they understand design, and, and they they want to use it so that it would help them. Or uh, be, you know, with a good number of work for them already. And just recently, which also, of course, uh, contributed to the positive note of the meeting, we managed to get them a grant for $35,000 uh, in printing money. Oh, that's uh, that be the paper company gives out these, uh, you know, fantastic grants for Google organizations, and, you know, designers can apply for them. So we just, you know, uh, got the notice last week that uh, we have now 35k to print posters and brochures which, you know, goes an incredible long way for them. And it's, you know, it's a serious program for them. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not so difficult to get an excited client when you can go into the meeting and say, and also, you know, the next $35,000 of what we spend is going to be, right. you know, for free. So what exactly are you doing for them? Are you producing a book of the answers that people have Presented or? Actually, in this case, it's going to be, uh, it's a very simple device. It's a, it's a, their main, their name, their main brochure that is telling in, in few words what they're all about. And, uh, the brochure is a, as a, not so easy to describe over the air, complex die cut. In some ways, it falls out and can be wheat-pasted on many uh, Palestinian and Israeli walls. Wow. I wonder uh, how people will react when they see this. It's a, it's a pretty thing. So the wheat-pasting is hopefully not just political, but also beauty-oriented. Mm-hmm. Stefan, what makes you happiest? In design or in life? Or both? Two-part question, both. In design, uh, I should be able to enter uh, quickly because I talked about this before. Uh, Let's see. Uh, I think being able to work, being able to come up with ideas when when the deadline is still far away, you know, when there's no pressure, when you sort of like can really figure out ideas here and there and there is nothing looming. 
What about in life? Oh. Any makes me happy? Traveling makes me happy? These are two clickies that are... And then, of course, I have a whole list of particular, uh, you know, sort of like moments that, sort of like moments of true happiness that happened uh, right. to me in, you know, in the past that I, uh, you know, thought of recently. And, oh, my God, you know, there were many. Uh, one, tell us one, because one, we're, our uh, show is about to end, and we'll end on one wonderful, happy note. Driving through the Austrian Alps, with my brother's motorcycle while listening to the police without a helmet. Oh, that sounds lovely. And that sounds like it could also, for one brief, lovely, perfect moment in time, also define love. So answer that question as well. Um, we've come to the end of our broadcast. I'd like to thank my truly inspiring guest, Stefan Sagmeister. I'd also like to thank the kind people at Voice America Business, Denise Dion, Chris Hilliard, Robert Arkin, my production manager, Ruben Cologne, and my executive producer, Brian Travis. I'd also like to thank the staff and my partners at Sterling Brands, my incredible producer, Lisa Grant, my chief researcher, Jen Simon. Join me next week for Design Matters for the second installment of our most popular show last season, Bad Boys 2. Thank you for listening, and remember, we can talk about making a difference, or we could make a difference, or we can do both. I am Debbie Millman, and I look forward to talking with you next week. Voice America Business would like to thank you for tuning in for Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Be sure to listen every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for another exciting hour of Design Matters. Right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business.